Hello and welcome to this week's Bee Voices, conversations with folk in and around education. I'm Caroline Doherty. Thank you to all of you working in schools. The work you do has never been more important to the communities you serve. As ever, before we begin, just to remind listeners that this podcast is an opportunity to open up debate and discussion around topics. The views my guests and I are about to express are not the view of the key. For in-depth authoritative articles on the latest issues in education, check out thekeysupport.com. Right, now this podcast was recorded way back in March where I met Nick Hurd uh, at a residential training session of Level 7 Senior Leadership Masters participants just outside of Northampton. It feels like a very long time ago now. Um, Nick is a former school leader and he's learning experience manager at the National College of Education. Um, We're going to talk about um, apprenticeship, the apprenticeship levy, how schools can make the most of it and what young people can get from apprenticeships in this um, podcast. But I wanted to give uh, Nick an opportunity uh, to tell us a little bit about um, What's been changing um, at the National College since we recorded this podcast? So he's joined me on the line today. Hi, Nick. Hi, Caroline. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. And it'd be really great to to hear from you uh, about how you've changed the way you're delivering your programmes in response to COVID-19. Yeah, it's, um, it does feel a long time ago. I, was, I, th- I think you, you were definitely the, the last real person I spoke to before lockdown or, um, you know, saw in, in, in the real world before the, this current situation. So, um, yeah, it's um, very um, bizarre that we're talking um, now. Po- well, are we post-COVID? Or oh, gosh. Gosh knows. Um, yeah, we've had a, we've had a really busy... Um, a really busy time after we um, left residential we were due back for um, another residential a couple of weeks after which um, which didn't happen and we, we like a, you know like our colleagues in school had a very quick turnaround to mobilize and innovate um, produce some online materials that we could then work um, use to work with our colleagues on program and found that actually that the, the, the Netflix style of uh, learning has, has gone down really really well and we were due to we were due out um, two more times for our, our senior leader masters cohort and both of those residentials have been delivered virtually um, and I'm about to induct our next cohort uh, Wednesday this week so that's the first of July which will be a virtual induction so it's very very uh, very different because I'm somebody that likes that likes the energy in a room so I'm not sure how that's going to come across on, online but we'll give it a go. Yes and obviously I, I visited met some participants who will hear from later in the podcast and um, what have you been doing to kind of facilitate that that conversation between participants? We've, uh, we, we, I think the biggest thing we did was launch the NCE Live podcast. So this is um, a novelty for me being this side of the <laughs> mic. But um, you inspired me when uh, <laughs> when uh, you interviewed me, and that's been a um, a weekly live session where uh, our learners can dial into the podcast live, post questions. We run it through. Um, Zoom, and um, that's been a real connector. 
the, the you know the, the the thing that colleagues have said they missed the most is the the connection whilst you're at face-to-face training. So they're organised into learning uh, learning groups, uh, peer learning groups. So the WhatsApp has been uh, been on fire, mm. I'm sure, um, with learners you know connecting with each other. The other learning experience uh, managers have been busy. Um, touching base with everyone each month, making sure they've got what they need, where they need to be on terms of their assignments, keeping the off-the-job opportunities ticking over. And, and the, the, the apprenticeship has, has really um, flourished, I think, for us, with, with school leaders doing, you know, forced into this massive period of innovation and change that was totally out of the blue. It's, it, it enabled them to secure some really, really... Um, outstanding evidence against the apprenticeship standards because it was all all new so the 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 switch to virtual delivery the planning the risk assessing all of those things that that um you know would have been in this scale really new experiences the 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 program and the 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 work that they've done has been able to support that learning off the job because they're Know, colleagues are now doing things that they wouldn't necessarily have had exposure to um, and been asked to, to step up more in school or within their trust so it's it's yeah it's been it's been busy really busy but hopefully our um, learners are feel, feel well supported so great stuff and uh, just finally we, we talk a little bit in the podcast about uh, young young people and the opportunities that apprenticeships afford them what are your thoughts on that as we're kind of staring down the barrel of of economic downturn? I think um, I think timing of this um, is really really key. But Robert Halfon, the uh, chair of the Ed Select Committee, is going to be announcing this week um, guaranteed apprenticeships for all, uh, young people. So it'll be very really interesting to see what that actually looks like. But I think it it, it will be a route back into. Um, um, skills training that, that maybe school leavers haven't had or hasn't been high profile enough now so there's uh, going to be a real lean on the apprenticeship um, sector to, to deliver these opportunities but also to give employers a chance to rethink about how they um, how they're going to continuity plan and, and talent manage in the future because there's going to be young people that maybe university now isn't a, an option um, maybe they're not wanting to learn online, they're missing that face-to-face experience. So they'll be looking for other routes, and I think we will see a real upsurge and uh, an, an increase in um, pro, you know, the variety of programmes that will give young people an opportunity to learn those skills in the workplace. Indeed. Well, thank you. Thank you very much, uh, Nick, for, for updating our intro and uh, on to the, to the podcast from March. Let's kick off with a fairly basic question. What What is the apprenticeship levy and, and how does it work, Nick? Okay, with, um, without getting into the deep and murky mechanics, <laughs> it, to keep it quite simple, um, the levy was introduced uh, in 2015 as a, a workable tax for employers. Um, it is a, a half a percent tax on salary bills of three million pounds plus. So the uh, government kindly offered to uh, tax uh, businesses um, that that amount and then hold it digitally for a period of two years mm-hmm. um, on the caveat that it wasn't actually a tax it's a levy 
and it's at the discretion of the employer then to spend the levy on apprenticeship-based training. So the uh, for two years, the levy pot monthly has increased, and um, over the last two years, uh, more apprentices have uh, been taken on across mm -hmm. um, across the, all sectors. And the idea being that if you had unspent money in your levy from 2017, from May 2017, mm. the government would claw back any monies unspent from that period. Right. So it was very much an employer-led incentive-based uh, uh, system to encourage employers to spend the money on uh, upskilling mm -hmm. or um, uh, recruiting uh, apprentices to tackle the, the, the work crisis um, in, in all sectors. Um, if they didn't, the HMRC said, thanks very much, we will, uh, we will trouser that. Mm. And so can you give me a bit more detail on the, the range of things that it can be used for? As I mentioned, we're here today at a senior leader uh, uh, training. Um, obviously, people tend to think about apprentices being at the, at the beginnings of their career. Can you just talk to me a little bit about yeah, the range think, of things you can use? I th I'm glad you've asked that because I think sort of debunking that is mm. quite quite important. So um, we, we the, the National College specialise mm -hmm. in apprenticeships within the education sector that focus on leadership. Mm -hmm. Okay, and um, as you say, we're here with the Level 7 Senior Leader Masters um, um, today. An, an apprentice is anybody that's undertaking work-based learning. Mm -hmm. And the, the initially, an apprentice would have uh, uh, probably more traditionally been in trades. So mm -hmm. an electrician, a plumber would have taken on an apprentice. They would have learned on the job and uh, completed uh, city and guilds and then become qualified. Um, industry recognised that there is a, a, um, a talent shortfall mm -hmm. in, in the skills that people need in certain jobs. Um, and as the levy was introduced, um, businesses uh, formed uh, trailblazer groups and um, uh, groups to identify need in specific sectors that um, at, at all levels. So they yeah. go from level three um, all the way up to level seven, um, a degree level, um, with specific focus for the jobs that uh, those sectors required. So we, we work particularly with the CMI on leadership because um, industry recognise that there's a, there's a lot of um, accidental managers and no more so than education. Where Can you just tell us what the CMI stands for? Sorry, then? yeah, Charter Manager Institute. Mm -hmm. um, so we, we um, focus on um, um, trying to alleviate accidental management. So where people are promoted because they're good at their job and then given no training on the new job mm. that they're then expected to do. And that, that happens a lot in schools, but across other sectors. And there is a, um, you know, a, a cost to business on that and profitability and yeah. uh, the economy. Um, there, in essence, you can enter as an apprentice at any point. Yeah, so we, have, uh, we actually have a, um, an apprentice at um, Oceanova, who is the parent company of National College. Um, Alfie the Apprentice was a school leaver, didn't want to go to university, um, highly skilled in digital marketing mm -hmm. and was worried that if he uh, undertook a degree he would then lose the, the real-time knowledge of working on a job in an industry that's changing monthly, weekly, mm. if not daily, so has to uh, choose an apprenticeship route. But that also works then for existing colleagues in organisations. Um, if you um, if we look in a, the, the school sector, why not? Because we're yeah. you know we're chat chatting uh, with the key. Um, an apprentice could be uh, a member of staff that you've had on um, as an employee for a long period of time, mm -hmm. and maybe uh, hasn't received any formal uh, training in that role, 
I think of um, colleagues in um, in support staff roles that maybe have, have found themselves you know managing the e bulletin or whatever without mm. any formal training. The levy could be used to train them. Um, the, the the rules around the levy it can only be used for training that based um, that is apprenticeship based. Mm. Does not pay the salary. Mm. of apprentices so an organization yeah. if they're taking on an apprentice as a new hire has to cover the salary cost mm -hmm. but the training then is available free via okay. the levy um, and um, if they're an existing colleague then the training is available free yeah and, and how do you think schools should kind of go about deciding how how to use their levy entitlement is, is that sort of part of their sort of training and, and development strategy. What's been your experience um, about that? It, it, it's fairly underdeveloped, mm. and I think um, the, the frustration for me, um, um, you know, and I say this with love of the profession and and full acknowledgement of the challenges that leaders face, is that um, there's a learned helplessness. I think where we're busy. Mm. It, the, the digital apprenticeship account is quite clunky to manage if you're a, mm. a, a, a business manager in a school uh, head teachers you know they don't know what their diary goes like from day to day because yeah. of the nature of working with young people and colleagues and families so it becomes a perfect storm where they're, they're, there's not the time or potentially the the space to really explore how they could mm. lever that levy for them so my experience is in its best cases it's um, well developed there's apprenticeship training going on for support staff as well as uh, teaching staff mm. um, and they're talking apprenticeships to school leavers and I think that that's for me where it's it gets really exciting is when you're challenging uh, school leavers to reconsider university as an option and mm. consider entering the workforce on a degree apprenticeship where the, the financial constraints of university are that aren't apparent because you're a paid yeah. employee of an organization so um, the worst end it, it's you know too busy to find any information out and quite happy to let it go because I haven't got the time or it can't work or whatever yeah. else and it must be difficult in terms of you know if if it's not something that teachers themselves are aware of obviously a lot of them have gone a degree route through university and they're maybe not asking for this yeah. for this kind of um, development within the school that you know then that that there isn't that sort of demand side for them, the teacher, to, the head teacher, or senior leadership to be thinking about how to how to use their pot. Yeah. I think I think also there's um, um, shaking off what an apprentice is. Yeah. So you know, if you think of um, an apprentice, um, I um, yeah I use um, you know Rodney from Only Fools and Horses. <laughs> you know, often people would imagine that you know mm. an apprentice is a, a, a low skill. Um, employee or a trainee actually th that's not the case it's very high skill the um, the, the knowledge skills and behavior mm. that apprentices have to uh, demonstrate are, are significant pieces of work uh, they're bred from the industry or the sector that you're working in um, and it's just you know ch shaking off that um, that misconception and also the, the you know there is a there is a snobbery around yeah. qualifications and um, and I speak as a former inspector, and if you look at um, um, if you look at performance tables and see where apprenticeships lie, well beneath Oxbridge, other universities, the Russell Group mm. uh, employment, I think the last uh, last um, route out of school um, on the uh, the performance tables is um, apprenticeship. Yeah. And if we really want to challenge and tackle the workforce and upskill the workforce, that needs to be higher. Mm. And then uh, you know really you know giving young people that opportunity. Um, 
is it becomes important and i think you know you put it all together you've got a, a very busy workforce mm. very you know poorly funded workforce yeah um it becomes then you know it's taking time for someone to explore how they could use that um even though the benefits to it you know are, you know schools that are well developed are propping up their cpd budgets mm. you know significantly yeah. because of the, using the levy um you know it, there's there's work to be done i think and hopefully this will help raise awareness of yeah. how to do that yeah and, uh, and uh, you know i think another concern especially around the young people entering apprenticeships apprenticeships is is parents yeah um and i i speak as someone who who previously worked for an organization promoting kind of work-based learning and different different routes into careers when i understood more about what these kinds of programs offer young people you know i'm and i can now speak as a parent i'd be perfectly happy for my child to consider those alongside mm. university as you say they you know a lot of them are very rigorous um and depending on on how you want to um start your your career a really really great alternative but that message just doesn't get out there often in schools no and i think i think our our, our work we're here with um, um 90 senior leaders mm. that are um engaging in their apprenticeship yeah um, that message when they th have a greater understanding of it and how it works they can take that back into school one of the colleagues here I did um, an assembly for last year on apprenticeships mm. and you know challenging uh, young people to consider you know university isn't the only route um, we're based in Newham and um, in Stratford and I'd, uh, two years ago I think it was um, um, one of the sixth form colleges had um, a high number of, of um, uh, children go to um, Oxbridge. Yeah. And uh, they, they had the, the big photo and the celebration, all outstanding as a, uh, achievements. And I think there was a, a young lady called Dorcas on the, in the photo who was going off to study law at um, uh, um, one of the Oxbridge colleges. And it was fantastic. What a huge, huge achievement, which I you know, wholeheartedly celebrate. Um, the the, the counter-arguments of that is the, the even savvier children are getting apprenticeships with law firms mm. are not are going to university as employees and paid for yeah and more importantly have a job at the end of it so you know you, you the the deck's loaded enough as it is mm. without them going to study and the the the, the costs you know and we can yeah. argue the benefits of what of uh, student loans and the cost mm. of that but more importantly they're in a, they're working in the in the career yeah. and the employer they're likely to stay with Mm. Also, we know you know, teaching uh, profession really, really challenging to to make sure we have the right number of of, of qualified teachers. Do you think apprenticeships can play a, a role there in addressing teacher shortages? You are, you asked me not to be controversial. Oh, I'm go not on sure, then. I'm not sure <laughs> I can answer that. I think um, without being controversial, I think. Yes, yes, absolutely. If mm. we are going to recruit the number of teachers, and we were lucky enough to hear from Becky Allen this morning, mm. if we're going to recruit the number of teachers we need, there needs to be a non-degree apprenticeship route into teaching. Yeah. Now, we are in a, a predicament where we have a, a Department for Education values knowledge above all else in learning, mm. and, and there is a resistance to allow non-degree mm. routes into teaching. So until, you know, you, it's a chicken and egg. Yeah. So young people are consider, aren't considering university as the only option. And if you're looking to enter the profession, we're missing out on mm. potentially a huge talent pool that would enter as teachers on a non-teaching degree apprenticeship, a non-degree yeah. teaching apprenticeship route maybe. Um, and I think it's a shame. There are uh, teaching apprenticeships, yeah. but they are degree-based teaching apprenticeships. Mm. Um, and I think, you know, it's... Uh, 
you kind of we kind of shoot ourselves in the foot a little yeah. bit. Um, and some of the people taking that presumably are people who have been working in a school in some other capacity yeah, maybe often. and then get to a point in their career or personal life where they can where they do can a do degree. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. And so, it, you know, it, yeah, it's that learned helplessness and I, hate, mm. and I hate saying it, but, you know, we if we need, you know, I, 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 as an adult in a school, you're a teacher. Mm. And yeah. if you start on that basis... And then, you know, Becky's asked us to think today about challenging what education and learning and teaching and what that looks like and what's the meaning behind it, then it can absolutely work. Yeah. Um, but people need to have a more flexible, open-minded approach to it. That's yeah, I think that's very, very, um, um, <laughs> very well put, Karen. <laughs> <laughs> and um, um, earlier in the week uh, that we recorded this, uh, Gavin Williamson has said that organisations shouldn't actually be using the funding for senior level qualifications. So it'd be really helpful to talk a little bit about what's the course that's going on here today and, and what those senior leaders are up to and, and kind of your response to that. Yeah, that, um, that, that was, um, I think, quite, a, quite a, uh, an important statement. Mm. And I think um, he was particularly looking at um, um, MBA level yeah. qualifications and well, um, with a view that you know the levy shouldn't be supporting MBA um, learning, and that's not actually an accurate reflection of what's going on in the sector. Mm. Now, I I um, haven't got the um, the exact figures, but the MBA apprenticeships are a very tiny, tiny mm. proportion of the apprenticeships globally. You know, like yeah. in in their entirety and a very tiny proportion of the senior leader uh, standard. Now, I'm very passionate about the, the senior leader standard for schools, and this is where I think, it, this is where I was, you know, found it was, felt it was a bit naughty, because we are here training um, future head teachers, current head teachers, um, uh, assistant heads, um, on how to uh, rethink and reconsider what leadership of a business, which educators will not like me saying mm. schools are businesses and their profit and losses young people an opportunity not pounds and pence mm. so the, the the level seven standard that we are um, working to is a senior leader master's standard and that enables um, learners to experience a breadth of leadership exposure from outside of education yeah. we contextualize it so in essence, if, if, if you know, the, um, Gavin Williamson goes after the uh, senior le uh, leader standard, we're actually taking more money that schools have available to train mm. senior leaders. Now, I, I can't think of any education minister that is going to consider that a, a, a clever move in mm. policy, uh, that we are going to um, double dip in effect and say, yeah. we'll make it, a, we'll take, make, it becomes a tax then, not a levy. Yeah. If it's a tax, the government tell you how to spend it. The mm. essence of the levy as it was set up is that it's employer-led. And I think there's an opportunity to learn wider across the sector, take um, other, um, other experiences, uh, other knowledge, and then look at how we can then resynthesize and reimagine. So um, if you think about agile, um, agile culture and agile working, schools tend to be very hierarchical in their mm. nature. If we're facing cuts as we are, uh, pension increase, agile working is a way of maybe solving that. A mm. much flatter structure, that's not a comfortable proposition for schools. However, the, the colleagues that we will work with yeah. are seeing those opportunities and that reframing of how they can organise mm. their, their businesses, their schools, as, a, as, as, as um, opportunities rather than threats. 
so it was um it, it was um you know a bit of um um a bit of a curveball really not unexpected yeah. and i'm sure there'll be more in the budget but you know from our you know our perspective um you know the national college has in introduced seven million pounds of um training um into the sector mm. you know through the levy now that's you yeah. know i would challenge the, the dfe to do that you know so it's yeah. you, you know it, there, there is absolute merit in using mm. it I do agree that we maybe want to relook at how the MBA standard works, or the, you know the people using the MBA. Yeah. I think the sweet spot would be you know spending the levy and then getting the businesses, the banks, and the, the big levy payers to be training our head teachers and using their oh. levy, um, which happens through a me mechanism of co-investment, um, to to then fund it, and then you've oh. actually you've got a real moral argument ar oh. around that. But um, we'll see. We're, you know. It, um, it just felt like you know a double dip. You know you mm. can't. You, you, I'm going to take the money and then I'm going to tell you you can't spend it on that. Mm. Um, oh, and that's particularly going to affect education. Um, we've, we've, we have the largest senior leader masters cohort um, on any program. So we we yeah. have um, what do we have? Um, Four hundred senior leaders on program over three programs, and you know wow. and we're we're starting our. Um, um, application recruitment drive for September. And tell us a little bit about what the programme involves in case anyone listening is interested in applying. Um, what does the programme involve? So we contextualised um, the uh, level seven standard for education. Um, we spend a lot of time looking at um, um, the what it means to be a leader. Mm -hmm. So emotionally emotional intelligence, looking at organisational culture, structure. Um, we look at HR finance, which tend to be the um, head teacher probably won't get a look at a budget until they do it in their interview. Yeah. Um, so a lot of pre-training around that. Um, we were looking at um, strategy and talent retention and recruitment, mm -hmm. and I think um, you know another area schools need more help on is that what what the difference between recruitment and retention and yeah. how you attract talent, and then how you manage talent within an organisation. Mm. Um, they will complete a change project, which will look. Um, at an area of improvement within school, so it becomes you know self improving. Mm -hmm. Can you um, give me an example of a, of a change project? Um, well, funny, we were hopefully one of the apprentices you're going to meet, oh. meet later. Um, I've challenged him to um, to see if he can implement an agile culture within school. Okay, mm. in a in a in a large secondary school, we've had projects on um, any aspect of school improvement. So uh, narrowing the gap, we've just had um, forty two of our cohort one dissertation submitted um, and more coming in uh -huh. so there's a huge body of uh, practitioner-led research mm. um, but it's all leading to the self-improving school system what we need is a little more autonomy and agency to then implement some of that that change um, yeah huge I mean mm. a huge breadth in the projects mm. but but it, you're, you're you're gaining a high level of engagement from colleagues undertaking the research mm. which if you think about how we keep people in the profession and make it in, in engaging and enticing yeah. it, you know when you're owning your own research and doing something that's having impact and seeing the fruits of that that becomes a compelling um, reason to stay in a, in a school um, and I'm sure there are num there will be a number of colleagues that are here as mm. a retention strategy yeah and you mentioned that there's release time to support people participating yeah. in the program um, one of the one of the I think one of the big um, sort of red flags for schools is the 20% off the job. Um, an apprentice um, has to have 20% um, of their working week off the job or 20% time um, for um, OTJ. 
And traditionally, if we go back to Rodney, who's you know now our plumber, um, he might have a day release at college um, or whatever else. We, um, you know, in in schools, healthcare, um, that becomes problematic because if uh, a colleague is working with children, mm. it, it can be difficult. So we we uh, frame the off the job um, um, in terms of the residential at um, mm. attendance. So that contributes to their twenty percent in total. Um, any work they're doing on their change project, reading around the change project, assignment work is uh, off the job. We encourage schools, I think this is where schools get it really, really right, is that they ring fence um, into a colleague's timetable um, periods for off the job training, yeah. uh, where the colleague will be in school or sometimes working from home, mm. it can work either way. Um, but they're given then a for, you know given exposure to working with the business manager or the HR director or whatever. Oh, okay. So they're work shadowing. Yeah. So that you're really getting that work-based learning opportunity. So when it comes to then being exposed to a budget, maybe mm. at the head teacher interview or you're you know when you're doing it as a head teacher, you've got a working knowledge that mm. you've managed to pick up on on the, um, through your off the job. Um, and it, it can be quite flexible. Schools that use it um, that are, are struggling with, you know, time mm. um, are looking at remission when when we get game time. So when year six have finished their SATs, there tends to be a sigh of relief. Yeah. Um, year um, 11, 13 go, yeah. the timetable um, gives a little bit. So um, that's when our change projects will kick mm. in. So there's there's working, w there's, there are ways around it. It's mm. I think it's just another, oh, well, I can't release you for a day a week. Yeah. Although, you know, in an ideal world and were we funded properly, that would be fantastic. Mm. You would then you know, look at how you could really, you know, leverage that. Yeah, but as you say, at this point, it's about kind of dispelling some of those myths yeah. and understanding how other schools uh, have made it work. And, uh, yeah, I, I, there was a, a question which you sort of touched on the answer earlier, but you know, as a former senior leader in a school yourself, has working on apprenticeships really changed the way you, you think about how they're, they're marketed to young people? Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. I think, I think when, you've got, when you've got senior colleagues in school engaging in apprenticeships, mm -hmm. we kind of debunked some of those myths. Mm -hmm. They're then talking about their experience. Now we have a particular way of delivering our apprenticeship, and we, you know, our, our one of our mission statements is to reinvent professional learning for schools. Um, so, um, when you've got colleagues then coming back enthused talking about apprenticeships, that then becomes infectious with yeah. the young people. Um, you know, it's interesting. My route into the National College was um, through um, trying to uh, create an organisation that would use apprenticeships across London to get young people back into the workforce mm -hmm. or entice them into the workforce um, because if you're um, a disadvantaged young person living on one of um, you know London's estates, you'll see everybody go to the city and earn money and then you're still stuck in your estate. Mm -hmm. I think the policy is brilliant because if we can encourage employers to, to think differently, take on young people as yeah. apprentices, pay them London living wage, you know, the first start, mm -hmm. you know, and that's a, an absolute, then we can start to then... Um, see some of that uh, mobility actualized yeah. because I can go to work and earn a London living wage, train mm. on the job, and then into the workforce as opposed to what happens yeah. now where it tends to stagnate. And that's still a piece of work that we're working on. Um, and I can't say too much about it, but there is um, you know, some exciting things that we're working with um, uh, one local authority in, um, in London in particular, 
that will be a, a piece of work for young people, which we, you know, would it would work across any city mm. because it's a, you know whether you're in Birmingham, Manchester, Leeds, London, if you're faced with deprivation, it, the city, and you live in the city, you see other people go there and thrive, and you don't. So I think it could be a, a really significant piece of policy and um, having school leaders, uh, you know, and we have um, an emergent leader and a middle leader program. Mm -hmm. So having school colleagues engaging in as apprenticeships, yeah. that raises the profile. But there are also many other routes into the apprenticeships of schools. And um, one of the things that, you know, I was very keen to talk to you about was, you know, encouraging schools to find out more because yeah. there is training across all um all um, spheres of school from you know grounds maintenance technology it technicians tas yeah. finance hr which you know is always a worry for school mm. um and, they, and you can use that levy to support that training and particularly um i know you do some work across trusts yeah. where there might be more opportunities for um you know a bigger premises team for yeah. example that could um you know work with an apprentice in in that yeah. way yeah, and either t either taking on apprentices mm. or upskilling your workforce, mm -hmm. and allowing people to specialise because you have more opportunities. Because you have more opportunity. Yeah. Um, local authority schools are in a really strong position because the uh, majority of the levy in education, uh, I think roughly around 150 million pounds is in the education um, inverted commas pot, um, mm. largely held by local authorities. Believe it or not. Um, if you're in a local authority school, there will be somebody there desperate to engage you in spending the apprenticeship levy. Okay. Um, so they're targeted with a 2% uh, public sector uptake on apprenticeships and they are struggling to get into schools because you know schools are quite closed places. Mm. Um, you know, a little bit of a, a, a wolf in sheep's uh, clothing because I've worked in the sector for so long. It's very, you know, there's I don't yeah. know, there's a language that teachers have and yeah. head teachers have um, that you can get, you know, so the right people have those conversations quickly. So um, you would suggest that people contact their local authority. Contact the local authority. I've um, I've through um, the rel relentless optimism said if people want to book into my diary for a, a fifteen minute chat around how to go and find out more, more than happy to mm. do that. Um, we've, I'm very keen that we raise the profile in the sector, yeah. not just the programmes that we deliver. Okay, um, and you know, get in contact with local authority. There'll be a named person there um, who wants to spend money. Who want, this is this is it. There is <laughs> yeah. money there. There is a person there at the LA who wants to spend money. And, and it's you know, it, we work with um, I work with a colleague called uh, Mel um, with Wolfen Forest, who has just totally um, used the levy to transform opportunities for young people. The way that she's done that is by uh, upskilling schools, mm. and um, is hugely passionate. And her vision wasn't, uh, you know, as much spending money; it was changing opportunities by improving yeah. the education workforce. But you know, there are people, the, the people mm. there, what needing help to activate it, because if it's not spent, it goes back mm. to HMRC. Yeah. So it's a we can't, you know, we I think morally we mm. have to take ownership yeah. of that and and find out more. And and if the if um, we've got colleagues on programme that are schools without any levy, mm. where we've uh, managed to, through uh, governance, um, you know, uh, one school's got a governor uh, who's um, um, on a, a big uh, city bank, has transferred levy to enable the colleague to do a programme. So there's ways, mm. m m more often than not, there's ways around it. But it, it, you have to find out more about it. Okay, well, potentially going to flood your diary via relentless optimism for people to, to find out more about exactly how to, to, to really get the benefit from, from this money that is there, as you say, before it, before it disappears. Yeah. Great stuff.
And now we are talking to two participants on the Senior Leaders Masters Apprenticeship Residential. Um, I am joined by Rachel Lissaman, who is Head of Year 10 at Northampton School for Girls, and Dane Carton, who is Vice Principal at St Martin's Catholic Academy in Hinckley. Hi. Hello. <laughs> and we have just ambushed you over your lunch break uh, to ask you a few questions about how you're, you're finding uh, the experience of, of being on the programme. So why did, um, why did you guys uh, sign up and get involved? So um, I did an internal sort of graduate leadership programme within my school mm -hmm. and the next steps um, were to find something with a bit more formal um, something that would give either accredited or take that next step yeah. in terms of um, linking sort of theory with practice, but also having those networking opportunities um, mm. to experience other people and how they deal with developing and what they do in their schools and sharing yeah. those experiences. And this is a pretty rigorous qualification. Yeah, <laughs> with a significant um, amount of kind of written written work that you mm -hmm. guys are producing, can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah, so um, the sort of written aspect, I probably find slightly easier in terms of I quite like reading and going and finding research and conflicting viewpoints, um, and then trying to join that up with things that are happening in school mm -hmm. and what you can sort of take from it and trial or completely disregard and think that's never going to work here but yeah. it gives you that sort of spark to try and try new things and think outside the box or equally develop something that's already in place um, which I then think kind of links in with the apprenticeship stuff. Great and what about you Dane what what's brought you here? Um, sheer fate to be honest with oh. you so my wife actually works in sort of the apprenticeship sector so I'm aware of just how effective it can be on a, a much lower level she sort of deals with post 16 elements of yeah. it um, so our trust um, sent out a few emails with regards to the apprenticeship levy element and then the master's accreditation mm. um, at my current stage of career I'm sort of on the cusp of possible headship possibly not don't really know where I'm at my family are taking precedent as young daughters tend to Tell um, me about it. so therefore striking that balance yeah. and trying to consider next steps um, and this just seemed to come along at the perfect opportunity to give me that time to mm. really reflect on where I want to go with the next stage of my career yeah. and what type of leader I want to be which actually yeah. I had no idea was a question I needed to ask, ask yeah. myself to be honest with you until this course. I'd agree with that I don't think I'd really thought about what sort of leader I was going to be it wasn't a question that I knew existed no, as such. No, you, you get caught up in your own little world, in your own little bubble and particularly your, your individual school setting where yeah. you formulate a character and a persona based mm. on what's required at that time at that school setting. You innately sort of perceive that as that's just who you are as a person yeah. mm. um, and it sort of evolves naturally and sort of organically and then actually when you step back, you sort of look back mm. and you sort of retrace the steps of how you've come to be that leader mm. and now actually the course has made me really put under the microscope the skills that I might need to develop or yeah. def not might definitely yeah. need to develop to be honest with you if I want to take that next step of leadership yeah. whether in my current school setting or more than likely in a different school mm. setting that's going to have different requirements mm. of me as a leader. And as you say you're kind of shaped by 
um, your context, but also the people that you see in leadership above you often as well, yeah. and actually expose it, you know, depending on how much you've moved around in your career or the kinds yeah. of schools you've been in or the kinds of leaders you've worked under, that's really going to influence your own thinking if you don't take the time out to reflect, network and meet other people. Yeah, I don't think before the programme I've reflected that much. I think you do in terms of your teaching and yeah. in front of the class and how well did that lesson go, but you don't actually think of, oh, how well did I handle that situation? Or actually, we've got this project coming up. How am I going to approach this? Mm. What side of my personality yeah. or the traits that I've got am I going to use to really drive this forward? Whereas now you're starting to think of, okay, right, I need to really play on whatever it is to oh, make definitely. this effective. Yeah. I mean, even when you're just saying that now, you think about your initial teacher training yeah. and you're forced to reflect on pretty much every lesson and every yeah. week. And then once you get through your NQT year, you stop doing it because it's no longer mm. a requirement of you and actually it's fundamental um, and certainly being here and speaking with people from different walks of life and different yeah. education different mm. local authorities and and actually seeing sort of the sheer variety yeah. that leaders have to deal with mm. has been fascinating and, and certainly just yeah completely broadened my horizons in terms of what's expected of other leaders and mm. in other school settings and whether it's a trust or an independent school primary versus secondary yeah. i mean even the discussion this morning was very much based around the, the sort of expectations at primary level versus secondary level mm. and what that provides in terms of the nuances on recruitment was just yeah, yeah amazing actually and could you tell me each tell me a little bit about your change project that you're kind of working on as part of your course <laughs> Mine's still very much in the sort of trying to work it out. Yeah. I want to use things that I've already got in place that I could then develop to take to another mm -hmm. level. Um, so it's probably going to be along the lines of something to do with collaboration within schools or sharing best practice to um, drive a, a change or shift in culture within the school. I think um, sometimes in schools you can get very stuck in a way of doing things. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, it then takes a fresh idea or, or a new approach to then drive that forward to the next level. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of where I want to come from, of putting in a new injection of life to, to sharing ideas. Sounds great. And you, Dane? Um, I have so many ideas <laughs> that I'm completely overwhelmed with it. Um, and a lot of the ideas I think are too big okay. um, to be the focus for one yes. 14,000 word sort of effective dissertation. Um, so I'm trying to streamline it at, at the minute. Um, I was looking at agile schools and mm. agile leadership structures, and that's something that really interests me, um, particularly as most people do in my position, working at sort of the top level of that hierarchical structure yeah. um, and having being a bit of a control freak and then having to sort of reflect on my own behaviours this year following the Masters and trying not to micromanage everyone mm. and trying to sort of consider how that would work in my own school yeah. environment. Um, but then our staff well-being is huge. Um, mm. It's a massive thing in terms of teacher retention, teacher recruitment, yeah. teacher quality, to be yeah. honest with you. Um, as somebody who comes from a pastoral background, well-being is, is part of my sort of makeup mm. anyway. Um, so I'm looking at something around staff well-being, and that sort of ties into a lot of what we've done already in this course with emotional intelligence, self-awareness. Yeah. The reality and the sort of real fundamental truth that any good leadership is based on good relationships mm. so trying to incorporate that kind of simple truth 
into my own workplace environment and mm. seeing what impact that will have, both in terms of the staff, but then actually taking that further in terms of what's then presented to the students. Interesting stuff. And obviously, you've, you, you're both completing a kind of master's level apprenticeship. Has your experience, and obviously, Dane, you, you have, your um, wife is already involved in the apprenticeship sphere more widely, but has this changed your thoughts about apprenticeships for young people and, and, and students? Is it something that you've kind of learnt more about and you're thinking differently? Yeah, I've learnt definitely more about it. Um, at the school that I work at, we do quite a bit around apprenticeships, which mm -hmm. I think is really good, and we've got a really big push and drive towards um, getting students uh, after year 11, year 13, to go in the right direction for them, rather mm. than what's socially acceptable yeah. within whatever their backgrounds are. So we do equally sort of advertise, if you like, universities, getting a job, mm. doing an apprenticeship, going to college, whatever it is. So I think it's quite nice for me to be able to talk to those students on a personal level that actually you might go off to university and then you might go and do an apprenticeship. Mm. And it's I think for them to see that in real life as well, that's yeah. that's quite good. And it made me feel quite good about it as well, actually. Yeah, I mean, the academic side of it has its own merits, and don't, mm. don't get me wrong, the, the master's, I think, is hugely important. Even just the things that you're reading, the things mm. that you're being exposed to in terms of different ideas is, is immensely compelling. But then the real world applications of that is where the apprenticeship comes in and actually, yeah. um, utilizing those things that you've learned mm. in the workplace and obviously you can't do everything mm. you know you can't take every single idea and implement it yeah. because it would be chaos but taking those one things that you mm. and you read something or something's produced in, in one of these conferences and you think, oh, that's mm. my that could work there and actually mm. then seeing the fruits of that labor is, has been really sort of quite um overwhelmingly um gratifying to mm. be honest with you um and in terms of the apprenticeship, it streamlines your thinking to do that. Mm. Because often, and I think you know, this has been a big part of the discussions that we have at these sort of meetings, is how busy we are and how reactive we are yeah. because of the very nature of teaching and education and leadership. We're often the firefighters on the front line mm. trying to stave off the problems so that the teachers can do their job and teach. Um, and you know, to go back to your earlier point about not having that time to reflect, yeah. the apprenticeship gives you that time to actually yeah. look at what you do on a day-to-day -day basis. And sometimes, again, you, you just kind of um, almost determine that as, oh, it's just what I do. Mm. I don't really think about it, whereas the apprenticeship really focuses you. Oh, okay, I've exhibited that, I'm doing this. And mm. there's a bit more of a, it gives you more of a thought process. And, yeah. and, and having that thought process automatically makes you more thoughtful before you act, which has been mm. quite helpful. Great stuff. And any final thoughts in, in closing? Doesn't have to be. <laughs> no, I, I mean, no. as I say, it, we're, we're both on the spot in a yeah. slightly <laughs> unusual slightly environment. Yeah. But yeah. It, it's been incredibly helpful, um, I have to say. Yeah. More so than I anticipated, as a, a slight cynic. <laughs> um, and yeah, it's hugely broadened my horizons um, and made me excited in terms of where. Yeah, I'd where agree I with that. Yeah. Um, even just you know, validating your opinion, mm. um, which mm. too often is lost in the sort of the furor of educational leadership and, and you know, bowing down to a hierarchy, mm. actually now having that opinion validated and listened to and thinking actually maybe I could do this on my own has been, yeah, really worthwhile. Actually. Yeah, I think it's definitely given me a bit more 
drive and passion it sort of reignited that spark for education not just in terms of you delivering it to students but for yourself mm. yeah and that sort of I think having that academic side with the practical for me has just sort of made me realize actually yeah I do want to do this and I am you, you, yeah you've got some validation over it of yeah yeah I do know what I'm doing mm. and I can continue to improve and, and strive mm. to be yeah to and be just better and just being able to sort of vent you with people who are in a similar boat yeah have had similar experiences mm. even though obviously they're slightly varied yeah and being able to laugh about it and smile mm. about it and be honest has been just huge yeah absolutely huge great stuff well thank you very much uh and i'll let you get on with your lunch break now thank you, <laughs> thank you very much to nick Rachel and Dame. And thank you very much for listening. Key Voices is produced by The Key, giving education leaders the knowledge to act. Members of The Key for School Leaders can access hundreds of articles on the latest issues in education at thekeysupport.com. And please tell us what you think of the podcast. Rate, review and subscribe or email me at caroline.doherty at thekeysupport.com with your thoughts and suggestions.